Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We thank you because you're an amazing God and you've called us for this purpose. We pray, Father God, that light and understanding will come forth in your word. That there will be fresh breath on our ministries. Fresh insight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's have our seats. Alright, so. We, we're going to look at continuing um, with the subject of executing the heavenly vision in an earthly sphere. So what we talked about is the fact that this vision is heavenly, right? It came from God. Now, let's put it this way, right? Have you ever thought about this, that a man can fail in ministry? Have you thought about it? Yeah, you can fail. Because if Paul says, I have finished my course, it means not everybody finishes. Yeah, that's true. So, don't assume that the call of God is equal to success. Don't make that assumption. Your ministry can fail. Just as it has the possibility for increase, it also has the possibility for decrease. Anything that can grow can die. You remember... Mr. D. Ninja, characteristics of living thing. Yeah? Characteristics of living thing. One of the characteristics is growth, right? Life on it. And then another characteristic actually is then Mr. D. Ninja, death. Many people watch their ministries die and they put it that it is because we're sticking to the truth. God never designed truth to bring decrease. God designed truth to bring freedom. Are you following this? Talk to me. Are you following this? Alright, so let's go to Exodus chapter we talked about Jesus. He chose 12 men. That's where we stopped. Let's go to Exodus chapter 18. I usually use the New American Standard Bible. If Exodus chapter 18 and verse 1 to 27. We're going to have a careful reading of this and we're going to speak from this because your vision will rest on your team. Let me put it this way. You are one man. But you've been called to do the job of several men. You have to learn how to reproduce yourself in the several men. To get the job done. That is, listen carefully, is more tough than preaching. You know, uh, you know, most times I look at ministry and I'm I'm currently doing my master's in biblical theology, so I understand 
the place of doctrine, the place of human ethics, the place of accurate interpretation of scriptures. But you know, that can be taught. If I sit you in a Bible college right now, for two years, and I teach you the principles of theology, you can come out a proper theologian. The challenge is having to get back and you have to deal with people who are not predictable. You have a Peter who will say anything that comes to, to his mind. Today he says you're the son of the living God. Tomorrow he says don't go to the cross. And this guy has to be your apostle. So this is where I'll put it now. Leadership development and leadership issues in the church is a greater job than... No, 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 that's not the right word. It's a more difficult task. Not that it's a greater job than more preaching. But it's a more difficult task than preaching. But most pastors don't train themselves in that. Did I make myself clear? It's, it's, the word is the biggest thing in the ministry. But the word has to be carried. Let me give you a similar example. I had to make my team see this. And I explained it this way. Little mistakes on your part cost us a big thing. Let's assume, it shouldn't happen, but let's assume all of these sessions were not recorded. Maybe a mistake happened. The files were deleted. You realize that everything we've labeled, I mean, my mom was telling me yesterday night, I should eat, I should eat. I almost did not eat. Why? I told her I need to get ready for this session. So I had to explain to my team, this is the implication of your mistake. My last night, the food I forsook, my staying up, my reading, my research, my prayers in that sense were wasted. Not were wasted because the people here did not matter, but for a teaching ministry, preservation of my teachings is primary. Now, when, I, when we stepped down, that showed me something. Someone from Kenya listened and he was saying, I need that message. Now, we will not be able to serve that person if we don't have the recording. Now, I'm teaching here, and someone in Kenya is going to be blessed because I'm teaching. Now, they couldn't follow because of network issues. Now, because we can properly package the audio, even though I'm teaching a couple of pastors here, I can be blessing to someone in Kenya because the media team is getting their job done, and tomorrow that person can decide, no, I think you should come to Kenya to teach. Now, where is the open door? The open door is not just in what I taught. The open door is also based on the fact that the media team could get their job done and get it done properly and we can preserve them so we can serve other nations. That is not God's responsibility. That's our responsibility. So if I decide to cut corners and go and buy one cheap computer that when you plug it catches fire because I want to save costs, and the ministry, the messages are not saved, and I'm looking like, oh God, why did this happen? No. So we need to know what's important to us in the ministry. Are you, are you, are you still here? Right. Now let's look at this. Exodus 18, verse 1, 2, 20. No, oh, that's a long reading. Uh, let me see. You guys are pastors, so... You know the story. I'm thinking, let's start reading from verse 17. But you know the story, right? What was the vision? What was the heavenly vision God gave to Moses? Take the children of Israel out of Egypt. Nobody can have a bigger, a bigger vision than that. Come on, I tell you. 
that's the biggest, I mean, that's one of the biggest vision that God has ever given to anybody. To take three million people out of another nation. And this vision came with signs, wonders, and miracles. Frogs showed up, were part of this vision. Water turned into blood. Firstborn dying. Man, it was heavy. Here was Moses, the man of God. Verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, okay, look, go to verse 13. Mm-hmm. It came about the next day that Moses sought to judge the people. Now, the word judge is more like a legal word. So they bring their case, their exhibit, and everything, and it passes judgment, okay? To judge the people. And the people stood about Moses from morning until evening. Now, when you see Moses sitting down and judging these people from morning to evening, in your mind you can interpret that as hard work. Mm, my pastor can work hard. No rest in your mind. Business and productivity are two different things in ministry. Moses was busy, but he wasn't productive. <laughs> All through the morning. Hmm? Standing. Oh yeah, state your case. As I was going, my wife looked at another man. I'm not comfortable. Okay. Where is the man that your wife looked at? They bring the man. Did she look at you somehow? Say, I was looking. I was not sure whether she has a passport eye or she was looking at me. It's okay. Where, get your wife. So she went to the farm. It's okay. Stay there. And they say, is your wife here? I say, yeah. So where were you looking? Oh, there was a bed. And then he can stay one hour that he realized that there was no issue. You know, sometimes people come to me for counseling and then, and then I'm listening to them. And I'm saying, okay, go get this message. This, this, this. I've done this series. Give this person this message. I tell my staff, give them this series, this series. Let them listen to it and then give them three weeks to come back. They don't show up the next three weeks. Why? Because you want me to spend one hour to tell you what I've taught. In two, three months. I've done an extensive teaching on that. You are too lazy to listen to what I've taught, but you want me to now commit one hour to you. I don't have that one hour. So if we want to help ourselves, you go do your job, I'll do my job. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Simple. Look at this. So Moses stood. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? What, what is this? Because sometimes the people that recognize our leadership loves are not people who are very spiritual. Hey, you hear what I'm saying? It might not be a tongue-talking believer, but just know that this thing you are doing, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, it's like my, my brother. Okay, my brother speaking in tongues. He's not a Baptist. But he is not the one person you are going to. I'm not sure I've ever seen him preach. Right? But if you want to get the best out of him, let him be the one to give you the advice where your media is concerned. Because that's his job. That's his assignment. Most times we feel that if people are not hyper-spiritual, we cannot listen to the simple advice they have. Sometimes your staff will give you an advice that will triple the impact of your ministry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at this. 
Why do you alone, observe that word, sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning or the evening? You know, pastors like that counseling. On Tuesday, your place, Wednesday, the place is full. Just walk in. Say, Papa has arrived. Papa has arrived. Say, okay, I see, I see. So how many people outside? Say, 60. Say, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Call the first person. And in your mind. <laughs> you know that this counseling we do. Let me just give you an example, right? I hope I can finish today. But you know this counseling we do for free in church? Hmm? I'm not saying go and charge you. But you know this counseling that we are doing? You will have problem with your wife. You will come. We will counsel you. Then even our own. We even have deliverance to eat. You know in developed society, that's people's full job. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So don't think that you are not working. When you are counseling people, say, what did you do in the office? Say, ah, today there's no work. We just counsel six people. Ah. It's, it's a full work. You know these calls we make? Eh? You will have problem. We'll buy this thing. We'll call you. That's what people resume to do daily. Call center. So only you, you are doing call center. Only you are doing counseling. Only you are doing administration. You will balance budget. You will do transfer. You are an accountant. You are, you need to tell yourself that, listen, listen. And if you die by next month, somebody will be in the pulpit say, well, we thank God for everything. God give it. God take it. Turn your Bibles with me to, it, work has continued. It's gone. It's gone. So right now, I pace myself based on my availability. Your emergency cannot become my emergency. If the problem is so strong, the scripture says, if anyone is afflicted, let him pray. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, you see, we need to understand this because this is where we actually do not scale. See, my, 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 my biggest passion coming for this meeting is helping us to scale what we do. Because look at what's going to happen. And I'll pick this from the Greek. Look at what is going to happen. It says, Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, you must deal with your sense of self-importance. Everything in the ministry must not revolve around you. If you have to make input in every decision, you will wear yourself out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There should be a level of budget you say, listen, from this amount, you guys can decide. It's not one naira you have to approve. Two naira you have to approve. Any, no. Give people a budget. Work on it. Allow the people within you to blossom in their leadership authority. Look at this. Verse 16. When they have a dispute, it comes to me and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said, this thing that you do is not good. <laughs> ah, I'm wondering how Moses would have felt. Imagine, right? Your father-in-law comes and see you from morning to evening. Huh? You are Come back from office. And then he says, uh, what, what did you go and do? He said, ah, the people were just coming. And as they were coming, I was counseling. They, I teach them God's word. Then your father-in-law say, Maxwell, what you are doing is not good. 
You know, there are two reactions to it. Hmm? The first reaction is to say, okay, sir, I've heard you, daddy. And then go and meet your wife and say, you see, everybody in this life have what they like and what they don't like. If your father has come and want to stay in peace, let him say, but my job, I know what God told me in the burning bush. Your father was not there. I just like everybody to respect themselves. You know, that can be an approach, right? But what would that have approach cost? Because some, the most difficult thing to tell a pastor is that he's not doing something right. It's a problem. Pride sometimes makes us, we rather die failing than say, listen, you know this system is not working. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we always make it look like if God has said, I like something daddy said. I, I, you know, when daddy was talking about it, I was, I was saying some words there. I know he didn't hear me, but he was trying to say something that the vision is progressive. And I said, yes, the vision is expoundable. We have to allow room for growth. That's why denominational churches die. Huh? Um, we started at Teens Church. Right? TCC. Teens Connect Church. Hmm? And uh, it was simple. One day I asked my son. My son is, is as tall as me right now. It's 12. I asked him. Simple question. I said, hey, Karis, come. Do you like going to the main church? He said, mm, not really. I said, why? He said, yeah, most of the things they do are adult church. He works in the media. He's in the media church. I said, okay. I said, what, what would you think? Would you want to have your own church? He said, yes, I think so. I said, what would you like to happen in your own church? Then he tells me all the things they like to do. I said, okay. So we released the form, gave to all his age group, tell us what you'd like to have in your own church. Because at this point, he can choose to come to church because his father is the pastor of the church and he has no relationship with God and no connection with the church or choose to come to church because he wants to come to church. And I told my wife, I said, listen, we must tell ourselves, except the Lord leads us otherwise, a time will come where we have to allow this generation to pastor the church. Because whether you like it or not, you cannot force yourself upon a generation that is highly disconnected from you. Most times we don't recognize generational changes. And we don't build accordingly. It might look like, oh, listen, the world will never return to the way it was in 1980. It's gone. Are you following what I'm saying? Our daughter is seven. Zara is seven. She's in the media team. She does projecting. She's seven. At seven, I had no idea if there was anything called a computer because it did not exist. Are you following what I'm saying? So, to be able to pastor that generation, you will need a whole lot of technological advancement. I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm saying. And if you are stuck in your ways, you will not be able to go this way. Why am I saying this? Moses' father-in-law came, came and said, what you are doing is not good. Look at this. It says, you will surely wear yourself out. Now, the King James Version say, thou will surely wear away. I want to, I want to look at the Greek word. To wear away means 
And that's very, very important to us. It means to be senseless. It didn't just mean you will get tired. It was actually saying, listen, this method of leadership is foolish. To be senseless is the word nabar. To be foolish. To regard or treat as foolish. To treat with contempt. Number two, to drop down. To sink down. To drop down. To fall. To wither. To fade. This thing you're doing will cause you to fade. You will wear yourself out. And the funny thing is, when you wear yourself out, you will not be able to perform these duties. Are you still here? Talk to me. Are you still here? Alright. Now, let's read on. It says, Both yourself and these people who are with you. This is interesting. It means it's not only yourself you will wear out, you will also wear out the people because they will get tired. That means it will impact on the people because the leader will impact on the people. Then it says, For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Leaders need to print this in their office. You cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. Especially when you are a church planter, you have done everything from the beginning. You are almost tempted to like, listen, I can do it. But the truth of the matter is, if you want to scale, you can't do it alone. Now listen to me. I'll give you counsel. And God be with you. Thank God for the humility of Moses. Everybody say, thank God for the humility of Moses. This saved him. When we say, oh, Moses was 120 years old. He climbed the mountain. His natural force was not abated. Man of God, it was not just because of supernatural strength. He had a father-in-law who told him, calm down. Slow down. Do things differently. Hmm? <laughs> I wish I could talk about the system of your body. The revivalist died very early at the age of 26. And on his deathbed, he said, God gave me a message. But I killed the horse that was supposed to carry the message. Now the horse cannot move. And the message still needs to be preached. You've got to watch your diet as a pastor. Watch your rest period. Some things that you call suffering for Christ. You, you need to review them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A, a young man wrote something. He goes for all night. He does this, he does this. I wanted to counsel him, but I didn't. Because he would think I'm warning him against hard work. I work hard. But I know how to pace myself. Don't die for Jesus. He has died for us. In that sense. I hope you get what I'm trying to say. We're passionate about the kingdom. But we need you here more alive. The Lord told Brother Copeland, I don't have bodies on the earth to sustain anointings for 90 years. The order this rich deposit of anointing is with us. and, And Brother Copeland said... I am putting myself on assignment to live up to 120 years. I was in a meeting in Michigan when Brother Copeland came, sat, introduced three people and says, this guy has been traveling with me, is like his personal physician. Not to treat him when he's sick, but to tell him, no, you can't eat that. You've preached for this. You need to sleep for seven hours. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
So when you see Brian Copeland preaching, glory to God at 89, 87, it's not because he's eating fufu morning, afternoon, evening. He knows when to sleep. He knows when to be up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me give you a simple example. Let me just follow this. As a pastor who sits a lot, eh? as a pastor who sits a lot in the office to counsel, invest in a proper chair. If not, you can sit like that for 10, 15 years. You will end up with back pain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So by the time your ministry is peaking at 55, you are trusting God for the healing of your back. You already have the wisdom to avoid that. Invest in the bed you sleep in. Don't sleep on a bed where anywhere you are, the bed will take your shape as if it's forming you. Eh? You roll this way to take your shape. You roll this way to take your shape. When you get up, say it's not easy. Oh, spiritual warfare. This night, eh? All my ways. No, 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 no. Now, now, why am I saying that? Why am I saying that? Because we have a mindset of not investing on those things because we think we're taking out of the ministry, but unknowing to us, the investment on those things preserve the ministry. This is not about luxury now. This is about, I, I, I want to go there, but I feel the Spirit of the Lord is leading me in that direction. This is about preserving this earthly system to carry on the assignment. Because if this earthly system is not where it should be, your assignment is limited. Okay, so that's extra bonus. Somebody say, Pastor, but the foam is expensive. Having to, having to go to pain doctors and massage homes will be more expensive. Don't think in terms of cost. Think in terms of preservation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> Look at this. Let's, let's read the scripture. It says, You will surely wear out. So it was a guarantee. You will surely wear out. Now listen to me. I'll give you counsel and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God. And you bring the disputes to God. Do you remember this was the same thing in Acts chapter 6? Many times, pastors focus so much on the system, they miss hearing from God. He says, listen, you are tilting towards the wrong place. Administration is good, but that's not priority. You are supposed to represent these people before God. I think pastor said that when he was teaching. Grow up to become like God. Spend more time praying. I can't tell you, I talk with pastors and they don't have time to read. They don't have time to pray. They don't have time to study. All their days caught up in administration. Look at what it says. Then teach them the status and the laws, number one. Make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Daddy touched it. What are they to do? I have job descriptions. Sorry, I use my wife as an example a lot because she's the only one that won't get upset when she hears it. You know, but my, we, we work together in the ministry. She's my wife. We started the ministry together, but she has a monthly job description. My wife resumes the office as a ministry staff. In that sense, I, 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 I want you to get what I mean. So she's got her job for the month. 
She's got her task to deliver for the month. That's your work. That's your assignment. Because if we just come into the ministry office with, uh, I am Papa, you are Mama, this is Bomboy, we won't grow nothing. We, do you understand what I'm saying? And then my child comes, I mean, sometimes my son volunteers in the office, maybe twice a week. So he finishes from school, comes back, comes to the office, volunteer for one hour, they set the table for him, tell him what to do. He comes in, he doesn't come to me. He doesn't come to me and say, what, what do I do? No, he talks to my secretary because if you are a volunteer coming in, she will give you whatever you need to do. It's not me. So he already knows there is a system. So he can even come to the office. He's working in one of the offices. I don't even know he's in the office. I'm in my office. He doesn't come and we, we don't do, it's not father and son incorporated. This is not something I'm trying to pass over to you. This is a system. If you want to work, plug in and grow. So everybody has a job description. This month, what are your people delivering? How many people should they visit? How many people should they call? There is a job description. We call all our church members every three months. 200 names on the database. We get volunteers. We load the airtime every month. No, not every month. Every three months, a call goes out to all our church members. Hello, good afternoon. This is whoever is calling that day. Maybe this is John. I'm calling from the KDCC church office. Pastor just said I should check on you and know how you're doing. How's everything with you? Pastor just wanted to let you know that uh, he's praying for you and we're fine. Bam. The next number. How are you? This is John. And sometimes over the three days, we call everybody just to know. Sometimes some people are already giving up. That one call just lets them know, oh, I need to get back to church. It has to be programmed. You don't wait for people to get offended before you call them. You are proactive. Put a system in place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Teach them the work, the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people, able men who fear God, men of truth, who, those who hate dishonest gain. <laughs> and you shall place this over them as leaders of thousands of hundreds, of fifties and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you. I wish I had time to deal with this. But every minor dispute they themselves will judge. Pastors, please listen to me. There are major things in ministry and there are minor things in ministry. Oga, buying of battery is minor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, let me explain this. Let me put it this way. This is what you need to teach your people. Buying of batteries is minor to me as a pastor. But to the media department, battery is major. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? So every department would have what is major to them. So for instance, as a ministry, we buy things in pack. So we've got packs of batteries. Because there's nothing like you are preaching and the battery goes off. Eh? And then somebody says, <laughs> You know, imagine you have a first time in church. You, you'll just be surprised that, so is it that the batteries were not tested? Do you understand? So, when you come into a media department, you have to go through a training. One of the basic training they tell, teach you is how to test batteries. It looks basic, but some people don't know. So, we don't assume. You go through that training. So, every morning before the batteries are put on the mic, the batteries are tested. 
in, in about maybe five years of ministry, we've had only once that the battery failed while I was teaching. Just one time. And they knew that it can't repeat itself again. And that was most probably because someone else who was just getting in the team handled that at the same time. So, what is measured to, what is minor to you can what? Can be measured to um, other people because this is what I tell them. If I'm teaching under the, in, under the influence of the Holy Ghost and the Lord is speaking to me through His people and my mic goes up, that's distraction. You're distracting my flow of thoughts. You're, you're putting the whole service on hot. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, mistakes can happen here and there, but it must not be a culture. Mistakes cannot be put on repeat mood. Are you hearing this? Yeah. These are not deep revelations. These are basic things, man. But they are good. If you do this, okay, so it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. So God wants people to bear burden with us. So, if you do this thing and God so commands you, then you'll be able to endure. Mm. You do see that? You will be able to endure. You will be able to stand. You'll be able to be effective. And all these people will go to their place in peace. <laughs> they won't go offended. So your putting proper structures in place helps your ministry to endure. And helps people to be in their place with what? Peace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'll give you a simple example. It's not every time you lose someone in the ministry that people need to have a meeting. You know, sometimes we have meetings for things that they shouldn't have meetings. Ah, sister Kate has given birth. Women, women, wait behind. <laughs> uh, sister Joy has given birth. Ah, women of God. God has done it for us. Wait behind. No. Just put a system in place. Let everybody know. Because the reason we have all those many meetings is sometimes our systems are not fair. So if somebody that is very close or does something to do, he's all, no, just put a system. This is what our advice as a pastor. Put a flat rate system to address everybody. And then when you have committed workers, you do that out of your office and say, this guy is committed. I'm putting something extra on that. Because listen, every committed person, everybody knows they are committed. So they won't have an issue with it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because... Let me tell you something. If you don't make things very simplified, decision-making process becomes difficult. And that's where the problem is. So people would always want, you know, we don't know what to do. Make people know what to do, even if you're not there. For instance, if someone gives birth in our church, I don't need to know what they need to do. They know what to do. They get about it. If someone passes on, they need to know what to do. It's under the pastoral care welfare. What that department, under which department it is, who is it reporting to? So I'll give you an example. The, the security, the security of our church, they are under Sister Mary's office. She's doing a whole lot right now. I jokingly, I tell her all the time, any money you are paid in this ministry, you are worth it. I mean, it's not like she's paid a lot, but I just tell her, you have to work for your money. We joke with it, actually. It's a joke. So the security department is under her department, right? Is under her, so they report to her. So right now we're employing new teams of security. She's conducting the interviews. 
So when she's done all her final stuff, she recommends to me and I say, okay, it's fine. She does all the recommendation, right? Uh, I think Lucky was here, probably he's left. But you know, she's trying to get security uniform for them, talking to Lucky about printing and all of that. I'm not the one to go and now be discussing that at this level. Whether security wants to wear green and black, bl- bl- black and gold. It looks like a good decision. It's a pre- fa- fantastic decision. But if I get involved in all of that, I will not have time for the main thing that God has called me to do. Are you understand what I'm saying? So the security department knows who they're reporting to. The first thing you need to, to build up in your church is the reporting system. Who reports to what? So people are not crossing lines. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because this is the challenge you have if you don't have proper system. When people have access to the pastor, they'll report everything to the pastor. But everything is not supposed to get to the pastor. Major things are supposed to get to the pastor. And don't make minor things major. Because if you don't train your people, even what is minor, say, let daddy still here because I don't like things like this. I want, I want collapse the church I was before. I'd, I'd like to be honest. You're just being destructive. Because people need to learn to trust layers of leadership. Will they be perfect? No. Will they make mistakes? Yes. Will they make the wrong call? Yes, they would. But that's how they grow. Because we all grew making the wrong calls. Nobody got it right from the one. I've made the wrong calls. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But that's how people begin to develop leadership capacity. Okay. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, and of fifties, of tens. They judged the people at all times. The difficult dispute they would bring to Moses. But every minor dispute they themselves judge. You know what I like about this verse? Moses did exactly what his father told him. Let me tell you something. I guarantee you by the Spirit. If you take the messages that dad has taught today and the things I'm teaching today and you listen to them consistently and you implement them in your ministry, you will see changes. In Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 10 to 15, let me read this. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 10 to 15. I might probably put this in a book. I just think so because there's so much, so much content in my heart here. So what's this? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1. Look at verse 10. The Lord your God has multiplied you. And behold, you are this day like the stars of heaven in number. Okay? May the Lord the God of your fathers increase you a thousandfold more than you are and bless you just as he has promised you. How can I alone bear the load and the burden of you and your strife? Because one of the burdens pastors bear in ministry is strife, dispute. I'm going to have to write this out. But you remember in Acts chapter 6, that was why they chose leaders. Because as long as we have people, or God, we will have quarrels. Even Paul wrote in Romans, he said, tell Sintiki and his fellow sister, let them settle their quarrel. Quarrel made it to the Bible. So he said, eh, our church were always having problems. Yes, church have problems. Don't make it look like there's any church out there that doesn't have problems. As far as you are here, we, we have problems. You that is saying churches have problems. You, as far as you are in that church, there will be problems. So strife is a burden that ministers must learn to bear by team delegation. If not, the strife of your people will weigh you down. You go to bed thinking, ah! Sister, romance is not talking to this one. Yeah, God, now wow. Sister, and you know, we always have them. Always have them. Hmm? 
So he says, read on. He says, Choose wise and discerning and experienced men from your tribe, and I will appoint them as your head. You see, the, the advice his father-in-law gave him is what Moses is now implementing as they were about to get into Canaan land. He said, okay, I'm seeing this thing now. God is going to increase you guys a thousand times more. Let me, let me apply that formula because don't change what is working. Something is working for you. You now went to a church growth conference. You came and destroyed everything that was working for you. You can't copy everything. Daddy said that. But this one worked for Moses. Choose wise and discerning experienced men from your tribes and I'll appoint them as your head. You answered me and said the thing with which you said to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes. Wise men. Huh? Experienced men appointed them heads over you. Leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens and officers. Then I charged you judges at that time saying, Hear the cases between your fellow countrymen and judge righteously between a man and his fellow countrymen or the alien who is with you. Verse 17. You shall not show partiality in judgment. We need to deal with this. You can't have volunteer staffs who are partial. You shall hear the small and great alike. You shall not fear man. Hmm? When certain case concerns certain people, you will twist your mouth. Because the person is close to you. And he has broken all the rules. <laughs> for, the for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me and I'll hear. I command you at that time all the things you should do. They talked about the implementation of that thing. Let me go through my notes very quickly. How do you build strong spiritual teams? Spiritual strategies for building a strong team. Number one, spend time with your core team and impart not just the vision, but the spirit of the vision. And that talked about that. Impart the spirit of the vision. Mark chapter 3 verse 14. You can help me with the scripture so that we'll be quick. Mark chapter 3 verse 14. Impart the spirit of the vision. Spend time with your core team. If you read my book, The Art of Concentration in Ministry, I talked about spending time training your disciples is the art of concentration in ministry. If you look at the strategy of Jesus, he spent time with the disciples. Spend time with your core leaders. Carve out time with your core leaders. Spend time with them. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him. So that they would be with him. You can read Mark 6, 7. Let your leadership team be with you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Spend time pouring on them. Before we implemented these strategies in our church, I took a group of 12 people, about 12 to 11 people, and for a period of about a year and a half, I was meeting with them monthly, two hours every month, teaching them, training them preparing them. They became the service team in which we built the, lead, the, 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 the current structures. We are still evolving. We're still learning. I'm not saying we're there yet. But the current structure we're building now is resting on these guys that we've trained. So every month I spend time with them. Not just teaching them Bible, teaching them personal finance. Teaching them how to manage their budget. Teaching them how to live their life. How to get their goals done. Why? Because if the volunteer is balanced, his work in the church will be balanced. You've got guys in your church who don't know how to manage their finances. So they don't know how to have a budget to be able to transport to church. When there's important program, they spent all the money. Or they are hungry, so during conference they go and hustle. You've got to teach them. You've got to sit your staff down and say, how's your budget going? How's your finances going? 
There are some of, of my team, I'm telling you, and I say, listen, when you get your salary, let me see how you spend it. It's not about you giving it to me, but I need your financial life to be in order so you can serve the body of Christ well. You, you've got to train people to become balanced so they can serve you well. It's, it's not like you're just you're not concerned about people's life. All you just want is for them to show up on a Sunday morning and do. If they have problems at home, they won't be able to serve you right. So when you're training your leaders, you're not just training them church things. You're training them life. He says how to walk, how to walk. Train your guys how to be a man. Train them like Pastor was saying. You know, train your your men. Help your wife at home. Do the dishes. Get things done. And amazingly, after spending about a couple of months with those guys, one of them sent me a text one day, so blessed my heart. He said, Pastor, I want to thank you for all the things you taught us. I just had our baby, we did a baby dedication, and I've opened an investment account for my baby, and I'm so glad about that. That's what I want to hear from the guys who work with me. Make sure your children's school fees are sorted. Prioritize paying their school fees. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that if you are the head usher and you have to usher on Sunday and the school is about to resume, you are not just thinking, ah, how are we going to pay school fees? How are we going to pay school fees? Ah, this child will resume again. And somebody comes and then he's supposed to point there. You're not pointing this way. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. I will do it. Lord, you will do it again. Lord, you will do it again. No. So if I'm raising you, I'm not just training you to serve the church. I'm training you to catch my spirit so you can have a balanced life. Do you understand this? The time spent on your team is the time spent on elongating your vision. Mark 17, 1. Mark 17, 1. If you spend time training your team, you will spend time elongating your vision. Because of the time dad spent in training me, his vision is on the island. That's how you elongate your vision. Am I right? No, 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 no. I got my scripture wrong. Go to Galatians chapter 2 verse 9. Galatians 2 9. 2 9. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James, Cephas, and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. What I wanted to get is where Jesus took three of them to to the temple, um, to the mount of transfiguration. Okay? He took Peter, James and John. Now, he took Peter, James and John and he spent time, every time Jesus would take these three guys. Remember? And spent time with them that he was not spending with the other disciples. What now happened? At the end of the day, these three guys became the pillars of the church. So you realize something? While Jesus was spending time with Peter, James, and John, he was actually building, come on what? The pillar of the church. You don't need to spend time with the whole crowd. Get a few people and pour your life into them. They elongate your vision. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, in, 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 we read that he took these three up in the mountain. He always spent time with them. You know what? He taught Peter, James, and John things he did not teach the other twelve. There are people that you are going to teach things that other people are not aware of because they are going to become pillars of the vision. We go to Galatians and Paul says, these pillars, who are the pillars? Peter, James, and John. So the, the amount of time you spend on your team is the amount, the way you're going to elongate your vision. The quality of training you give your team is the quality of representation your vision is going to have. The quality of training you give to your team is the quality of representation your vision is going to have. Exodus 18, 19 to 20. It says, teach them the laws of God. Teach them their job. Have a job description. Have a job description. What is expected of a choir leader? Write it down. Let there be no assumptions. What is expected of a resident pastor? Write it down. Write it down. Teach them how to walk. I don't expect my leaders to be this way. I don't expect my leaders to dress this way. I don't expect those who are close to me to do this. I spend time talking to my team all the time. You represent me. You represent me. You can't live the way you want to live because you represent me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? Three areas you must train them. The rules and the laws. How to live. Character and conduct. Tell them what they must do. You cannot get from people what you have not put in them via training. An effective pastor would place priority on training. Place priority on training, not just preaching. Please give me Philippians 2.20. I'll just rush this in 10 minutes, give you the summary probably. We can see how we can put this in a book and get it out. What's your soul? Soul is made up of a will, emotions, and intellect. Huh? So I have no one of like mind. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. Get this message, play it to your team, let them listen to it over and over again. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians 12, 18. Paul did not only he says, I ought Titus to go, and I sent the brother with him. Titus did not take any advantage of you, did he? Did we not conduct ourselves in the same spirit and walk in the same steps? Did you see that? Not only did Timothy uh, walk in a like mind, even Titus, the people that Paul raised, walked in the same spirit with him. This is one of the keys. Let me Let me... Take this quote down. A man by Sergi said this. You are either supporting the vision or supporting division. Okay. Let me say it slowly. You are either supporting division. That is T-H-E. Division. Or you are supporting division. D-I-V-I-S-I-O-N. That means it is either you are supporting the main vision or what you are supporting is dividing the vision. But you must support something. Then, let me give you this quickly. I'll be done in a few minutes. Common mistakes we make in choosing our teams. I think what I'm going to do is, I'm going to put this and expand it so when the book is out, you can take a hold of it, but I'm sure this will help you. Number one, most leaders are emotional when it comes to choosing teams. They do not follow scriptural guidelines. 
Every time Moses said, choose, he told them something. Choose men that fear God. Eh? You choose somebody to serve in the church that absolutely has no fear of God. When it comes to spiritual decision, the first thing he will not even say, let's pray and hear what God will say. You say, say, in my village, if six women have issue, they will bring foul. And that foul is not to play. <laughs> That's New Testament decision making process. Hmm? Or he will bring town union association. Say, I'm a member of petroleum marketers. And in petroleum marketing, there's something called, you see, why some of those things might look good? This is the house of God. Because if you use that rule out there to govern the house of God, it will no longer become the house of God. You know somebody can sin. Somebody can sin outrightly. And then as leaders we meet, and the Spirit of God says, listen, Satan will take advantage of this guy. Don't suspend him. Minister love to him. If you now go by the association, you say, ah! When I was a member of student union you know, government, they know me. Go and ask for Pharaoh. They, they know me. That's your main leader speaking. That his, 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 his introduction to you is how wicked he was in the world. It, it, that means he has not even understood the new creation realities. He's still relating to himself as retired Pharaoh. He was, he is not born again. And that's your main leader. And then you want to grow church. Do you, if you were God, will you give more people to yourself? Ask yourself that question. That if you were God and you were to send people to churches, the way your church is, will you send your children that you paid your blood for to them? You have to ask yourself. Because sometimes we just think God is not wise. Let me tell you, as we are here, churches are growing every day. Yours might not be growing, but churches are growing every day. People are joining churches daily. People, churches are flourishing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Alright. Number B. The oldest is not necessarily the best. The oldest is not necessarily the best. Somebody can be old, but it might not be necessary that they are the best hand for that job. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. See, we choose people who really are not committed to the vision, but want to hang around the vision. I was glad that he said that. Eh? The rich young ruler came and said, Oh, good master, good master, how can I inherit eternal life? Jesus told him straight, These are the terms of eternal life. A guy said, No, he went away sorrowful. Don't have people who want to hang around the vision, but don't want to pay commitment to the vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You want to become the head of the ushers and still come late. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. They say, oh, we, are, we, are, we are head ushers. <laughs> Where did you come to church? But you want, the, you want to hang around the vision. Sell what you have and commit to the vision. No, you can't sell your sleep. You can't sell your transport. But you don't want to leave the position. Eh? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? If anybody wants to hang around your vision, let them pay the price for the vision. Jesus tested the commitment of the rich young ruler. See, let me tell you, there were many people that wanted to become Jesus' disciples. All of them were not permitted. The fact that somebody wants to serve does not mean you should give him opportunity. Let him prove that he really wants to serve. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? And how do you prove that? Whatever your level of test is. D, putting people with low capacity on high capacity job. Hmm? Exodus 18.25. It says some people can only lead 1,000. Some people can lead 100. Some people can lead 50. You can also find that in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 15 we read. Let me tell you, not everybody can pastor rich people. Because if your self-esteem is not high and you are pastoring rich people, all they need to do is sow two, three seeds into your life. Anything they say will be correct. So not everybody can pastor wealthy people. Yeah, that's the truth. Lord, me, this guy, ah, this guy schooled in London. This guy schooled in Oxford. This guy schooled. Ah, in, in your mind, everything you know is foolish. So when you say, I just wanted to check uh, what, what you think about it. Say, so, um, um, give me some time. Say, so yeah, yes, I, uh, I'll give you some time. You have never asked the Holy Spirit. Then again, not everybody can pastor poor people. Because poverty comes with his own pride and stubbornness that a man does not have. Then, because he does not have, he will, he will not have other things that he shouldn't have. Sometimes poor people are the most difficult to take counsel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No, wait, I mean, this is a pastoral meeting. We're not judging anybody. We, we love everybody. But you know, sometimes poor people are difficult to pastor. That's why Jesus says, He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He needs an anointing to preach to the poor. Because once you preach, they say, Is it because I don't have? Is it, is it because I don't have? Is it, and then you too, you don't want to make them feel. And sometimes they don't take advice. That's why they don't have. A poor person can come for counseling and tell you what he wants. Hmm? Or there's a, there's a pride that comes with. It, it's, it's subtle, but it's thick. It's like Ezima, if you have treated Ezima before. It will look like it's good. You know, Ezima can look like you are fair. If you look at it in a way, it's like this sister is fair. But, <laughs> but if you look at it again, you know, what is it? <laughs> you know, you treat, you treat, you treat, you treat, you treat, you treat until sometimes it looks black. The person will come late. Ah, why now, sir? You know that I don't have transport now. But every other place he goes to, he's early. Why is it that it's your transport to church that is delaying you? Why is it that when it is church, you are late? But every other place, if you want to test those people, just tell them, well, tomorrow we're going to have this, uh, you know, food distribution, give to everybody, please make it on time. It will come early. So you ask that, how come that day you have transport? Okay. <laughs> then you also have what you call deceitfulness of riches. Some rich people can stroll in late and they expect you to wait for them. Hmm? They can hold positions and not perform. But you know that they know that all the meetings you are holding, they are the ones that hold the key. We can decide this is what we want to buy this flower. The meeting is suspended because church does not have money. Now say, well, well let's postpone the meeting because we don't have time. It, there's time. But they know that <laughs> if all of us are here for the next three hours, we will not buy this flower. The man that can buy this flower is always the meeting. Let's shift meeting. Then the next meeting comes, say, uh, green, 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 green. I think green. Uh, everybody has agreed, though, that it's green they want to buy. Mm, I think a, green, a touch of purple is okay. So I, I, I was even saying that day, I, I was just going purple, purple. Somebody was telling me purple, but I said, no, let me wait because you understand. Lie, lie. 
That's why you have to trust God to be your source. So that your vision, you don't sublet your vision. You know, when you rent a house, they will not say, don't sublet it. Because you can actually rent a house and there's another man living in it. You can, you can have a heavenly vision, but terrorists and kidnappers of money had the ransom. You will not be paying ransom for your own vision to be fulfilled. It's okay. Release more for us. Let's buy Mike. It's okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? trust God. You know that everything God tells you cannot be actualized until a man moves. So you have to trust God. Are you know what I'm saying? All right now. Putting the wrong people in the wrong place. Paul was sent to the Gentiles, Peter to the Jews, Galatians 2.8. Paul, a learned man, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Peter wrote a few epistles. Paul learned under Gamaliel, Acts chapter 22, verse 3. Put the right people in the right place. Let me tell you, if somebody doesn't have a friendly disposition, they should not be the first person they meet at the gate. It is wisdom. Your head usher with squeezed face. Even when you say laugh, you now get angry. Laugh more now. I know they laugh. I did. I know they laugh. I won't laugh past again. You know, it's okay. It's okay. Keep it the way it was. As, as you were. Anger. You're the first person people should meet at the gate should be welcoming. Oh, how are you? Good to see you in church. How's everything? Huh? The first person you meet in church, you are not sure. The people are now asking that, is, uh, is it church here? He said, if you want to enter, enter. <laughs> that guy is not coming back. No, 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 he's not coming back. He's coming back anyway. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, it doesn't take anything to be hospitable. And we must be honest, sometimes it is people's disposition. Right? It's people's disposition. If you, so it's like you have children. My, 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 my son is, is more like my wife. My son is very quiet. He will not talk so much. He can ask you a question, but if you really want to know what is in his mind, you have to ask him why he's asking that question. Okay? Then my daughter is just like me. He will just tell you straight and practical. Okay? He will just tell you, this is it, this is it. It almost comes out, yeah, with like, yeah, I'll just tell you my mind kind of thing. Now, if, if I were to probably do a... Um, if I were probably, maybe my, my two kids are working with me in full-time ministry. If I were to probably have someone over the, probably maybe a department where you need to deal with a lot more people, my daughter would be a good fit. Because she can talk, she can interact, she can play, she can all of that. But then again, you want to also watch that she's telling people things she wants to tell them diplomatically. So sometimes the people you have, you have to use their personality. Some people just need to be where they cannot see them. Up there. Put them there. They will serve the ministry where we will all grow. They don't need to be down here. They need to be at the media, facing computer. The computer cares less if you smile. Computer is just fine. You can even not greet the computer. I mean, you can put the computer on and not say good morning. The computer will still perform. But if you're going to walk among people, at least recognize that we are here. At least say good morning. At least say how are you doing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. So you've got to find out. Putting the right people in the wrong system or structure in a local church can limit their capacity to grow. So I'll read two stories with you and I'm done. 
for you, sorry, not with you. I want to read this story. I, I just uh, thought about it. About two ministers, Derek Prince and uh, Kennedy Egan. I just want to read it, and then we're done. In May of 1971, Derek Prince officially began Derek Prince publications in the garden of his house, of his property in Fort Liddell, Florida. At Derek's invitation, a year later, 1972, his son-in-law, David, the husband of his daughter, moved to, to uh, Fort Lauderdale from Canada, and they began to help carry out the work. In the next few years, the ministry expanded, necessitating a number of moves, and all of that, and that, 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 that. In 1994, the entire Derrick Prince ministry operation was moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. In 2006, after 35 years of service, David transitioned to international director, and Dick Ligert was welcomed as the new president. There are approximately 21 full and part-time employees at Derrick Prince Ministry U.S. The U.S. office is governed by a board of directors which meet three times a year. The board consists of that imposes their name. Internationally, the work of Derrick Prince Ministry is overseen by a coalition of national directors who help to provide general direction and supervision to the work of DPM Worldwide. These directors serve on the IC. It mentioned their names. Once a year, a significant number of the directors of the various offices and outreaches around the world meet together at the annual fellowship of the national office. During that gathering, the directors share report testimonies, spend a significant time in prayer together concerning the goals and direction of DPM Worldwide, and encourage one another and pray for one another and their families. Amazingly, even after many years of, of Derek Prince passing, the impact of his teaching legacy continues to grow and expand worldwide. The increase has died. He's still on radio stations. He's still on television stations. His books are still being sold. Kennedy Hagin Ministries. In 2003, when Kennedy Hagin died, there were 10 campuses of Rema Bible Training Center. In 2021, today, there are 260 campuses in over 50 countries in a period of 18 years. I think it started... The camp uh, Rema Bible Training Center started in 1974. The Lord told Brother Hagen in camp meeting in 1974, "How can I get this message out? How can I get this message out?" He says, "We're going to train about, we're going to train students." I think about 50 students resumed from 1974 to today. 260 campuses around the world with over thousands of graduates. It is said that the sun never sets on a Rema graduate. How did these ministries make it this far, even after their founder was dead? Systems. Structures. I'll ask you a very simple question this, this today. Do you want everything you're doing to die in your lifetime? If the answer is no, you have to change. Do you want everything you're building when you're gone? Nobody can carry it. You have to ask yourself honest questions. Sometimes as pastors, we don't. You have to sit down and ask myself. You have to ask yourself, is it time to transition? Is it time to step back and do something else? Is it time to be more effective? Is it time I begin to trust the next level of leadership? Right? Is it time I trust the guys around me and watch how they will sail? I want to plead with you. In Africa, we have this mind. We must learn to deal with it. 
And that's why you see that most African ministries find it difficult to transition. We, we have strong personalities and weak systems. Even in our politics, unfortunately, even in our churches, our churches are built around individuals. If you want to last, don't build that way. The Lord will give you a vision like he gave to Paul in Macedonia. But there will be people around you who will say, let us. And if there's any prayer I want us to pray today, it's for the gift of men. That God will bring men to undergate the vision. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.